Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Second message in the series about the royal titles of Jesus, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. We had that last weekend. And today we talk about him in that role as Mighty God. Well, there's a, a man lives in the UK. Uh, he has been known until recently as Charles, Charles, Prince of Wales. And now he is known as King Charles III. He had a change in title. He was given the highest possible title that one can have within the United Kingdom. King, King Charles III. But that is absolutely nothing. In fact, not even in the same category with the title that has been bestowed upon our Lord Jesus Christ. The title bestowed upon him is Mighty God, which affirms a couple of things. One, that he is one with the Almighty Father and the Almighty Spirit, that he is God. And we're going to even see more unfold before us as we look at some things in the book of Daniel. Well, we're going to follow a bit of Daniel, that book, which is a fascinating book of the Bible. If you haven't read it recently, open it up again and read it again because it is absolutely is great. And the adventures in there are so daring and dangerous, more than you'd find in typically in, in fiction even. So the main character of the book, you know who the main character is, of course, right? Uh, you're, you're thinking Daniel. Well, actually, it's God. The subsidiary figure is Daniel because through Daniel, we're going to see a great, big, wonderful picture of God, the Holy Trinity, in particular, the second person of the Trinity, designated as mighty God. We know him as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Well, let's kind of follow what happens with, with Daniel. Uh, he enters the scene in Babylon as a teenager, as a teenager. Now, the way the Bible describes him is this. He is good looking. He is very smart. He's got a great personality, near perfect physical specimen. He is athletic and he is academic and he flosses twice a day and, and totally reminds me of my three grandsons. Well, Daniel, but here's the deal, that Daniel is an alien. So we're going to look at Daniel, the alien. Um, he had been an Israeli, see? He was born, raised, a partial part of his life in, uh, in Israel. And um, he actually uh, was a, a captive when King Nebuchadnezzar came in the year 586 B.C., conquered Jerusalem, destroyed the city, took away the Ark of the Covenant, you know, tore down the temple, etc., and then took off a bunch of, uh, of people to the land. Well, let me read to you how it's described in Daniel chapter 1. I'll read verses 3 and 4. Then the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, commanded his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, and youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, 
and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Well, he's given, this Daniel now is one of those, he has given the scholarship to the most elite academy in the most powerful nation of the world, that is Babylon. He is being trained for leadership and he succeeds exceedingly well because of the simple fact that God is with him. He follows the, the leading of God. See, because there's gonna be a great challenge here for him. He is still an alien, but will he buy into the culture of this pagan nation? Will he stand firm? Well, if you know the story, you know that he does stand firm. And he grew, and he became a man. And wherever he was, he was always the smartest man in the room. He faced great challenges repeatedly, often at the risk of his own life. So we see this daring Daniel in danger. Can you come up with another D to fit in here? Okay, daring Daniel in danger. And I think, for example, at the time when his enemies, his competitors, who hated him because they saw his success and the favor that he had with the king, uh, they talked the king into making a 30-day prohibition against praying to anyone, anything other than the king. Hmm. Now, this is going to pose a challenge for Daniel, who wants to be obedient to his king, but he has a higher allegiance. And so, if he breaks the law, what's going to happen? He'll be thrown into a den of hungry lions. Of course, now these enemies, they're just waiting for the opportunity. They knew that three times a day he would pray. In fact, he'd even open the window, didn't make a secret of the fact that he was praying, and he was praying not to the king, but he was praying to the one only true God, the God that he had known from his childhood. So he broke the law. He is, uh, you know, the tattlers get on him. He is arrested, and then he is tossed into that den of hungry lions. Well, Let's stop here for just a moment. Let's uh, find out, okay, let's, uh, at what point, let's speculate, what point do you think that Daniel may have made up his mind about this? When, when he made, when, when that law was made, actually he had made up his mind a long time ago. Back in his childhood, back when he was a little kid, when he was first being taught in his own home, back in Jerusalem, the truths about the one and the only true God. And he knew that God and he loved that God. He wanted to obey that God. He wanted to follow him. And he made that decision, an unbreakable, unshakable, yes, no matter what, I will be faithful to my God. So we can think of him as Daniel the Devoted. So the basis for his decision came when he was very, very young. As a matter of fact, the earlier possible, the earliest possible that those basic decisions are made in a person's life, the greater the chance is that a person will remain faithful to those vows. And he will always be facing, and we always face, the, the question whether we will be faithful to the rule of God or whether we will give in to the culture. So what are we going to live by? But you know how the story goes, that he remains faithful. He is not consumed by the culture and he is not consumed by the hungry lions. 
He acknowledged the authority that was above every other authority, bigger than the most powerful king that there was in the whole world at that time, an authority above that. He made the right choice because the basis was formed even when he was a kid. So this Daniel who was in danger, the Daniel who was devoted, now we're going to look at him as Daniel the dreamer, and I'm going to touch us down in another chapter of the book of Daniel. Chapter 7, in the 13th verse, again, something that we had read a little bit earlier, where he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, there came one like a son of man. Now, he's described as coming in the clouds of heaven. Does that make any, does that ring a bell anywhere? You know, when Jesus comes again, you know, is he going to come in the clouds of heaven? So we know what is being portrayed here is God the Son, Jesus Christ, Messiah, the King who came and the King who is coming again, and the one who was incarnate of the Holy Spirit by the Virgin Mary and was made man. Well, now before this vision, he had had other visions as well. Let me tell you about another one of the visions where in the night he had this vision of ferocious, grotesque, powerful animals. There is a a lion, there is a bear, there is a leopard, and there is one that is a, a really ugly beast. Now, each one of them represented one of the kingdoms of the world. And when we touch down at the point where Daniel comes in, there's the kingdom of Babylon, followed by the Medo-Persian kingdom, followed by the kingdom of Alexander the Great, which is a Greek kingdom later split into one that had Syria with it uh, during another time, and then ultimately the Roman kingdom, uh, the Roman Empire. But the thing is, is that Every one of those animals in the vision are overcome by the next and then by the next and by the next. And so the interpretation is that these kingdoms of the world, the powers of the world that seem to rule, uh, one after another falls to the next, which falls to the next. All the great powers, it seems, through history tell us that the kingdoms of this world are temporary. Great powers have all fallen Even though they may have had great armies and they were going around, they were conquering other nations and ruling them and intimidating and dominating and bullying and imprisoning and even and not even allowing the dissenters to live, they would do everything they could to hold the power, but they could not because in contrast now, what have we got? The kingdom of Jesus, who is almighty God, who that kingdom is forever, forever. Now, in his vision, of course, you saw him coming in the clouds of heaven. What does he see, though? Someone in the form of a man. Uh, Is God in the form of man? Aha, well, doesn't that kind of ring a bell here? We call incarnation, where God took on human flesh. But a picture of that prophetically is given through Daniel and is telling us that this king reigns and will be forever because he is mighty God, the almighty son of God who came before the throne of the father and was given the title of mighty God and has given dominion and glory and everlasting kingdom. And when the angel comes to Mary to announce that she's going to give birth to a child, she says that he will have a kingdom where he will reign 
forever. That that kingdom will not end. In contrast to every kingdom of the world, every threat, every attempt to put uh, to to dominate us, there is one that has control over everything. Colossians, in the first chapter, Paul wrote a letter to the church of Colossae, and he's describing in the very first chapter one of the most magnificent pictures of God the Son incarnate in Jesus Christ. And it says, for by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created. Oh, all things? I mean, no exceptions? Yeah, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, whether a lion, a leopard, a bear, whatever, okay, all things were created through him and for him. Wow, that means he was not created. If he is not created, what is he then? He's got to be God, right? Uncreated because everything else is created by God and created for him for his honor, for his glory, for his rule and dominion, and he is before all things, and in him, he's the glue. In him, all things hang together. My paraphrase. Okay, now, if God is the Holy Trinity, then Jesus, the Messiah, is all-powerful, mighty God, and his kingdom is everlasting, rules over everything, but you know what? There are always going to be those beasts <laughs> that are going to be wanting to establish a kingdom, establish a foothold in our lives. You ever notice that? You know, the opportunity for, you know, something to come in and take the place of mighty God. Oh, but what did he do? Jesus came and he defeated the kingdoms of the beasts in our lives. Uh, so I, I thought, well, what are some of those beasts Beasts that come along and try to rule in our lives, establish some kind of a of, of a of a foothold or a, you know a throne. Well, I was thinking first there's a, maybe the beast of power. You know, everybody wants power. Do you know what? If you don't have power, you feel very frustrated in your life. You're not going to be healthy without a certain amount of, of power. But then power, you know, we want to have a little more power and a little more power and a little more. Uh, and it gets to be control and my way or the highway. We want success and control. We want popularity, attention. We want fashion. We want cool because cool rules. And, and then there are other beasts that come along wanting to establish their kingdom in our lives, like the beast of pride. Pride. Yeah, yeah. I want to be really smart, so I've got a smartphone. Yeah, my car is pretty smart. Uh, I can't have accidents in it. Um, I've got all the devices. I've got all the degrees. Uh, I, I've got the brains that I want to show it off. I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm really uh, a smart person and I can look down on other people. That beast of pride, yeah, that, that beast of power. What about a beast of proficiency? Like, I'm really good at something. I am an expert. Whoa, I am good in music. I am good in athletics. I'm good in academics. I'm, oh, I'm good at drama. Yeah, lots of drama. I've got the job skills, etc. You know what? I could, I could, I'm so good at it, I could get a job anywhere doing just about anything. That's that another thing that tries to establish a rule. You know, instead of us ruling, what happens is something else begins to rule. Let's go one more. We gotta have four. Round this out, and that's the beast of anxiety. You know, that's that that monster under the bed, <laughs> you know, that we're scared of. Uh we, we sometimes, it, by the way, concern is one thing, concern about something. 
Anxiety is something else, but you know what? Sometimes we get so much concern, it, it goes over the edge and it becomes anxiety and it becomes an obsession in our lives. And it was a huge temptation for Daniel because, I mean, look, if I worship God, if I, if I pray to him, I might get thrown into the den of lions, hungry lions, unfed lions. They're going to want me. I'm probably, you know, pretty tasty. Um, so fears of things like disaster and rejection and ridicule about being bullied, about, and the older you get, the more anxiety you have about running out of money, etc. So there are all these things that come along in our lives. But you know what? Here's the deal. You know, these try to establish their kingship, their rule in their lives, but Jesus, God the Son, mighty God, has defeated all these monsters, all these kingdoms. And so there is now a new king and a new kingdom. All the others can't last, but the smart thing is to pledge allegiance to the kingdom and the king that will last forever, the everlasting kingdom ruled by mighty God. Now, in the vision, and I mentioned again, he came in the clouds of heaven, powerful, he's the Messiah, he is the ruler king, the one who came, the one who will come again. But let's think about when he came, the first coming. We're celebrating in Advent, the coming of Jesus into this world, celebrating his birth. He came so humbly. When we see the description of him coming, we say, is that really mighty God? Doesn't look very God-like to me. It just looks so helpless. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was still unborn in the womb of Mary, did you know he was God already? <laughs> he was already God from eternity. He wasn't a person becoming God. He was God taking on human flesh and blood for a very specific purpose. That is a vital purpose and not only important, but essential. Now, he didn't look like mighty God when he is lying there in the manger and he's helpless and he can't walk and he's got to be fed. But the wood of that manger becomes the wood of the cross. What a throne. To be put up on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, Jesus, the King of creation, huh? up there, bleeding and dying. On his head, there's a crown, but it's not a crown of gold. It is a crown of thorns, and he's bleeding from that. His wounds, his holy wounds, the blood, the precious blood that flows from there. But that was very intentional, very purposeful because by the blood of Jesus Christ alone can we be cleansed of sin. Through the blood of Christ alone can we come into the presence of God. Through the blood of Christ alone can there be the bridging of that gap of separation between us and that holy God. And God demonstrates so completely, so fully, so convincingly in the cross as well as in the manger that we are loved, that we are cherished, that he will do anything, even becoming a man, in order to redeem us and to save us and to bring us into his kingdom. This is where he can rule over us. And the rule of mighty God over us in his kingdom is not a rule that is by intimidation and force. It is not by power that we typically associate with power, but it is with 
gentleness and incredible love and humility. He wants to rule over you simply to love you because he knows when we rule over our lives, we make a mess of it. Yeah. So where is the throne? Well, he went, the picture in Daniel is that he approaches the throne of the ancient of days. And he is given a position by that throne. As a matter of fact, to him is given the kingdom and he occupies that throne. But I'll tell you something else. <laughs> That's not the ultimate throne where he wants to reign. There's a throne in every heart of every person that is in this room. There's a throne. And Jesus said, I want to occupy that throne. I want to express my rule on that throne. I want to be your Lord. Yes, the Lord of your life. He says, get off the throne. You know what? You and I, we, we do like to, you know, let that beast of pride, that beast of power, you know, proficiency, etc. cetera. Uh, and even that beast of anxiety because we're not sure we want somebody else to reign over us and sur surrender the control to him. But he invites us to do it because it's not only the right thing, it's the good thing for us as well. He wants to reign in us because he loves us. And when he reigns in our hearts, what does he bring? He brings love. He brings the assurance that when we close these eyes in death, that our eyes will open up in heaven in his perfect presence. That whatever we have done and whatever we have, wherever we have violated God's law, he says, I'm just forgiving every bit of it. I paid for it. Every sin of yours belongs to me because I paid for it with my blood. So give it to me. What a beautiful privilege we have as children of God. His rule is for our good. It's not like any rule in this world. His rule is steady. It is stable. And it is one where when we are down, he enters in to lift us up. When we are vulnerable, he comes along to protect us. And when we are weak, he gives us strength. And when we are fearful, he fills our hearts with the peace that passes understanding and a confidence. Wow. The king, the kingdom, it's not far away. It's not inaccessible. It isn't distant. It's present. And right now, this moment, in this place, it is freely offered. You want to have that king upon your throne? Well, are you ready to dethrone yourself and say, Jesus, come and occupy that throne and then living in me, help me to be that person that you gave your life, that you came into this world as a little child, that life that you came to bring and to win for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you would do this. So when the king, the mighty God, rules in your hearts, the kingdom is right here. And if you're going to the Messiah next weekend, you're going to hear the chorus sing, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know how many hallelujahs, but you can never have enough of those hallelujahs.